Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. It's inscrutable, the story of Abraham and Isaac, tucked into the 22nd chapter of Genesis. Here are the facts. Sarah, at 90 years old, gives birth to Isaac. Abraham, Isaac's father, is promised by God that his son would in turn father a great nation, the Jewish people. In Isaac's young life, generations of scholars with time on their side have spent years trying to determine just how old he was. God commands Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Father and son climb a mountain Abraham binds Isaac to an altar. And then at the last minute, an angel stays Abraham's hand saying, now I know you fear God. A ram caught in some nearby bushes is captured by Abraham and is sacrificed instead of Isaac. I don't like any of it. My very first reaction to this story was, not my God. (laughs) Are we supposed to admire Abraham for his faithfulness? Is child sacrifice or the willingness and intention to sacrifice a child an acceptable way to demonstrate devotion? As is often the case with biblical texts, I'm lost and not a little perturbed. So why this story? I was 11 years old when Canadian songwriter and singer Leonard Cohen released his album, Songs from a Room. I listened to it over and over and loved and still love what Leonard Cohen did with the story of Isaac. The fourth verse is mystical. It's a whole sermon in itself. We'll do that another time. But the first three, are entirely, entirely accessible and important. So he begins with the story told in Isaac's voice. Here's Leonard Cohen. The door, it opened slowly. My father, he came in. I was nine years old. And he stood so tall above me, his blue eyes, they were shining, and his voice was very cold. He said, I've had a vision. And you know, I'm strong and holy. I must do what I've been told. So he started up the mountain. I was running. He was walking. And his axe was made of gold. Well, the trees, they got much smaller. The lake, a lady's mirror. We stopped to drink some wine. Then he threw the bottle over, broke a minute later. And he put his hand on mine. Thought I saw an eagle, but it might have been a vulture. I never can decide. 
Then my father built an altar. He looked once behind his shoulder. He knew I would not hide. And now verse 3, Leonard Cohen on what we are supposed to learn from this story. You who build these altars now to sacrifice these children, you must not do it anymore. A scheme is not a vision, and you never have been tempted by a demon or a god. You who stand above them now, your hatchets blunt and bloody, you were not there before when I lay upon the mountain and my father's heart was trembling with the beauty of the word. Through the voice of Isaac, the poet says, we are, every one of us, called to act in accordance with a higher directive, a divine plan. God has not commanded you, any of us, to kill. Leonard Cohen closes this song with a prayer for mercy. Late last month marked the festival of Eid al-Adah, the Feast of the Sacrifice, a celebration of Abraham and Isaac's story. Traditionally, to honor Abraham's willingness to obey God and sacrifice his son, Muslims ritually slaughter a cow, keeping a third for their family, giving a third to relatives, friends, and neighbors, and giving away a third to those in need. Everyone in the community partakes in the sacrificial meal. Less traditional Muslims also remember the poor at Eid al-Adah, though not quite so literally. I love this translation of the story of Abraham and Isaac. Don't kill your children. Feed the hungry. Reflecting on how best to honor the veterans of war, and especially to honor those who are at this very moment in harm's way, in our good name, among the most important choices we can make are to support every effort to stay the hand of slaughter and to feed the hungry. The late Senator George McGovern died last month at the age of 90. He will be remembered as our don't blame me, I'm from Massachusetts candidate, having lost every state but the Commonwealth in the 1972 presidential election that brought us Richard Nixon. But when I think of George McGovern, I think of his opposition to the war in Vietnam. Like veterans against the war, he knew of which he spoke, a decorated World War II bomber pilot who landed more than one plane that was engulfed in flames. He became the leading voice against the war because he had had to wage one. In September of 1970, speaking to an amendment to end the war, he excoriated those who opposed him. Every senator in this chamber is partly responsible for sending 50,000 young Americans to an early grave, he said. This chamber reeks of blood. Every senator here is partly responsible for that human wreckage at Walter Reed and Bethesda Naval Hospitals and all across our lands. Young men without legs or arms or genitals or faces or hopes. 
There are not very many of those blasted and broken boys who think this war is a glorious adventure. Do not talk to them about national honor or courage. It does not take any courage at all for a congressman or a senator or a president to wrap himself in the flag and say we are staying in Vietnam because it is not our blood that is being shed. But we are responsible for those young men and their lives and their hopes. And if we do not end this damnable war, those young men will someday curse us for our pitiful willingness to let the executive carry the burden that the Constitution places on us. The Senate was silent. Later, one lawmaker told the senator that he was offended, to which George McGovern replied, that was my intent. <laughs> Don't kill your children. Feed the hungry. War is a spiritual crisis. Visionary and activist Marianne Williamson writes, it is not only morally obscene, it's unsustainable. We are moving in a direction that is maladapted for the survival of our species. We fight too much. Even short of war, political and economic change have never been sufficient in themselves to alleviate suffering when the underlying causes are not also addressed. The worst problems on earth war, poverty, and ecological destruction, to start the list, all come from greed, delusion, and fear. Albert Einstein called us nuclear giants and ethical infants. Buddhist teacher Jack Kornfield writes, there are many important levels from which we can address global suffering. We must bring compassion and skill to economics, to education, government, service, and world conflict. Underlying all this work, we are called to muster a strength of heart to face injustice with truth and compassion. There are two sources of strength in the world, he continues. One is the force of hatred of those who are unafraid to kill. The other greater strength comes from those who are unafraid to die. This was the strength behind Mahatma Gandhi's marches against the entire British Empire, the strength of Dorothy Day's tireless work for the poor on the streets of New York. This strength of heart and being is what he has always reclaimed and redeemed human life. Jack Cornfield concludes, awakening compassion and freedom on this earth will not be easy. We need to be honest in dishonest times when it is easier to fight for our principles than it is to live up to them. We must find or discover in ourselves a way of life based on truth and compassion to guide our actions. At what altar do we choose to worship? What are we willing to sacrifice? Who are we prepared to feed? Mahatma Gandhi said, the difference between what we do and what we are capable of doing 
would suffice to solve most of the world's problems. Peace begins with us. Only when we commit to a spiritual path that calls us to love and service, justice and peace, only when we take responsibility for the greed, delusion and fear in our own lives will we begin to turn the tide of the lifeblood of war. Beloved spiritual companions, may we seek to do everything in our power to stay the hand of slaughter and to feed the hungry. Peace begins with us. May we seek a way of life based on a mission of love, service, justice, and peace, and muster a strength of heart to face injustice with truth, a heart of compassion for ourselves, for one another, for our country, and for the world. I close with Archibald MacLeish's anointed poem, The Young Dead Soldiers Do Not Speak. The young dead soldiers do not speak. Nevertheless, they are heard in the still houses. Who has not heard them? They have a silence that speaks for them at night and when the clock counts. They say, we were young. We have died. Remember us. They say we have done what we could, but until it is finished, it is not done. They say we have given our lives, but until it is finished, no one can know what our lives gave. They say our deaths are not ours. They are yours. They will mean what you make them. They say whether our lives and our deaths were for peace and a new hope or for nothing, we cannot say, it is you who must say this. We leave you our deaths, give them their meaning. We were young, they say, we have died, remember us.